Thanks. Uh, I'm Jean, if we haven't met, and it's my privilege to bring us God's word today. So um, let's pray before we get into it. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word to us, and through it, uh, we get to learn more about you and about ourselves. Uh, we pray as we look into who we are, that you would show us clearly that we are united with Christ, and that this shapes how we live. And we pray that we would do so today. Amen. So last week, I got scanned. On Thursday, I got a phone call from someone who claimed to be a customs officer from Guangzhou in China. And they told me on the phone that an illegal package had been delivered from Sydney, Australia to Guangzhou in China, and it was under my name. And this was a very serious crime. Um, full disclosure, I'm not in the business of delivering illegal packages from Sydney to Guangzhou. And so we figured this was a case of identity theft, that someone had used my name to do something illegal. Uh, either way, this was very serious and I was told that I had to report this to the Guangzhou police. Uh, I got sucked in, I believed them, I gave them some of my personal information, uh, and, and that's what happened. Um, I thought, really, it was all quite clever in retrospect, because what they did was that they played on my fear that I may have been the victim of identity theft, and they used that to get me to disclose personal information to them. Ironically, probably, to be used for identity theft, right? Uh, and just so you know, everything worked out, everything's all right, but, but that fear was, was real, right? Uh, because I couldn't prove that someone hadn't used my name to do any illegal activity. Uh, there was some real genuine fear there. And so at one point, um, Anna, my wife, she, she said to me, is there any chance that you could end up in jail in China? And I was half-jokingly, I said back to her, well, if I got sent to jail, would you come with me? <laughs> and her reply to me was, was this, if you got put into jail in China, I would take Levi and we would move to China with you. And that kind of touched me. Um, I, I, it was kind of a jokey question from me, right? But, but she was saying that she would move to a different country where she couldn't speak the language just to be with me, even if I was in jail. Now, why would she do that? Why would she say that? Well, the answer is because we're married, right? Because she's united to me. And so what happens to me happens to her and so the way that she lives is totally different. This term we've been looking at the topic of identity and asking the question of who am I? And today we're looking at how, as Christians, we are united with Jesus. And just like being united with your spouse means, like, it means that what happens to you happens to them, and the way that we live is radically different, being united with Jesus also means that what happens to him happens to us. And so the way that we live is radically different. In fact, we'll see that being united with Jesus means that that actually drives the very purpose of our lives. So we have three points today. First point is we are united with Jesus in death. Second, united in life. And third, living the new life. Now, our passage today is Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. To give you a little bit of context here, uh, the book of Romans, uh, written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, and so far in this book, Paul's established that everyone is a sinner before God, that no one is good enough, and that we all deserve God's righteous judgment. But God has given us a way to be right with him again, and that's through faith uh, in Jesus who died in our place. Now, last week, uh, Tim spoke to us from the first half of Romans 5, which shows just how much God loves us, that Jesus literally loved us to death, and that was why we were still God's enemies. That no matter how much we've wronged God, he still loves us to the point of dying for us. 
And the Bible's word for that is grace, God's undeserved kindness and love. And at the end of chapter 5, Paul says that the bigger our sin, the bigger God's grace, and that God's grace reigns supreme over our sin. And so that's where we're picking up from in Romans 6. And here, Paul is asking this question, how should we live in response to this great news? So let's read verse 1 together again. Paul asks us, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? He's asking, if sin makes God's grace look bigger, well, why don't we just keep on sinning? And it's the way that Paul answers his own question that brings us to our topic today. So let me read out verses 2 to 4 again for us. Paul says, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Paul's answer is no. The reason why we don't keep on sinning is because we have died to sin. How? By being baptised into Jesus' death. Not that long ago, um, we saw several people at 5pm church here get baptised. Uh, baptism is a symbolic action at Christian takes to publicly declare their faith in Jesus. It's a very vivid image. Uh, the person is dunked into water and then brought up again. This going under and then rising up symbolises death and then coming back to life. Now, there's nothing magical about baptism. Uh, it simply represents the spiritual reality a Christian experiences when they put their trust in Jesus. And that's what Paul's talking about here. Again, in verse 3, he says, when we're baptised into Jesus, we are baptised into Jesus' death. And verse 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death. And so, in the first part of verse 5, Paul can say that we have been united with Jesus in death. Now notice two things about the language in these verses. Number one, the preposition or the connecting word that Paul uses in verse 3 is into. We are baptised into Jesus and then into his death. We're so closely joined to Jesus that we are in him. We're not near him. We're not beside him. Yes, we are with him, but, but we're not just with him. We are in him. The second thing is that it's all in past tense. If you're a Christian, then this has already happened. This is a present reality for you and for me. So how does this work? Uh, in what sense are we dead? Because as far as I can tell, most of us here are still living and breathing, although if you've fallen asleep, you probably could fool me. Um, verse 6 tells us, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. What Paul is saying is when Jesus died on the cross, he wasn't alone up there. That we were with him too. Our old selves, the lives we used to live that was ruled by sin, also hung with Jesus on that cross, dead. And the result of that, from verse 7, is that we are set free from sin. Our old selves, before we trusted in Jesus, were enslaved to sin and destined for death, because death is the result of sin. But if we trust in Jesus, we become united with him in death, our old self dying on the cross with him, 
And so now we are set free from sin. And the penalty for sin, which is death, has been paid. And that's why in verse 2, Paul could say that we have died to sin. The old self that was enslaved to sin is dead. Sin no longer has power over us. How does this apply to us? Well, I think it means that we need to stop hanging on to the sin that belongs to our old self. Verses 11 and 12. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. We are dead to sin, so we are told to count ourselves dead to sin and not let sin reign in our bodies. Now, that sounds like a bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Uh, If we're already dead to sin, why do we still have to count ourselves dead to sin? Well, you see, being dead to sin is is a now but not yet reality. It has already happened, but it has not been fully realized yet. Being dead to sin means that we are free from the power of sin, but not yet from its presence. We've died to it, so it can no longer kill us anymore. But until Jesus returns, it is still here with us. Let me illustrate this for you. Um, So for a little while, um, we've had a cockroach problem at our house. Uh, It was was really getting quite annoying. You could say that it was bugging me. Uh Get it? Um, So so last year, we finally got um, some pest control to come in. Uh, So they came in, they they did their job, they sprayed the house, they put in cockroach bait, they did all that stuff. Uh, And I can say uh, now that we are cockroach-free, which is fantastic, especially if you're coming over to our place. Uh, but, But this process, it didn't happen straight away. For a few weeks, we still had some cockroaches here and there. And in fact, these guys, they had to come back and, and, and sort of finish their job. But even though we weren't cockroach-free right away, the work was done, the battle was already won, just the full effect hadn't taken place yet. And in the same way, when our old self died with Jesus on the cross, the battle against sin was already won. But the full effect of that just hasn't taken place yet. And so that's why Paul tells us to count ourselves dead to sin. He's telling us to live out the reality that is already true of us. He's telling us, you're dead to sin. Live that way. Now, if you follow Jesus for a while, you'll know that we can become complacent about some of the sins in our lives. I'll give you a personal example, um, which is selfishness. Uh, Now, I think this is something that, by God's grace, he's helped me to become reasonably good at, uh, you know, trying to put other people's needs before my own. Uh, But there's nothing like having a family and then having a baby to to bring out the worst inside of you, Uh, especially if I'm tired or if I've had a bad night or I'm really stressed. Um, You know, I I want to be loved rather than to keep loving others. Uh, I might might get home after a long day of work and I might expect Anna to come and take care of me rather than for me to come home and keep taking care of my family. I can become inward-focused. Is that something you can relate with? Uh, maybe, maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe it's anger, or maybe it's jealousy, or, or using unkind words. Uh, maybe it's a sexual sin. Jesus tells us, if you follow me, you are united with me. I died on the cross for you to free you from sin. I died on the cross with you. Your old self who is enslaved to sin is dead. When we're tempted to sin, whether it's selfishness, anger, jealousy, unkind words, sexual sin, we can tell ourselves that's not who we are anymore. 
That belongs to the old self who died on the cross. We can remind ourselves that Jesus gave everything, including his whole life, to set us free from sin. And so we can joyously say no to those things and instead act in love, just like he loved us. So when I get home after a long day of work, when I'm tempted to be selfish, I can remind myself that Jesus gave everything for me, that that's not who I am anymore. I can be thankful and I can pray for God's strength to keep joyfully loving my family. And, and I won't do this perfectly, and if I don't, I can ask for God's forgiveness and his strength to do better next time, knowing that even though sin is still here with me, it has no ultimate power over me. How are you going at fighting sin in your life? Now, praise God that we don't fight this battle alone. Uh, God has given us brothers and sisters to help us in this. Let me encourage you to share your struggles with your growth group, to keep each other accountable, and to keep spurring each other on to put sin where it belongs, in the grave with the old self. But let's move on now to our second point, which is united in life. And this is really just the other side of the first point. Just as we are united with Jesus in his death, we are also united with him in new life. And so let's read verses 4 and 5 again. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. If we are united with Jesus, we are united with him all the way. We are united with him in death, so we're united with him to resur- in resurrection to new life just as he was. Now remember, remember baptism, right? That symbol of being dumped underwater and then being brought up again. We went down with Jesus, but we're also brought up with him in new life. And this new life, this is eternal life. Uh, Let's have a look at verses 8 and 9. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. When Jesus rose again back to life, he didn't come back just to die again. Jesus overcame death itself. It no longer has power over him. And he will live forever. And if we're united with him, then his life is ours too. We too can expect to be raised from the dead to eternal life with Jesus. So what does that mean for us? It means that we can hang on to Jesus when life is tough by looking forward to eternity with him. And that's so important for those of us who are finding life hard right now. Now we're all going to face highs and lows in our lives. Uh, Some of us a loving life right now. Life's really good, and that's fantastic. Praise God. But there are some of us who are finding life really, really hard. There are those of us who are dealing with, with tragedies, whether it's happened to us or, or people who are close to us. Um, grief, sickness, death. Uh, some of us might be struggling with work. Uh, the pressure to f- perform, uh, scrutiny from our managers, unrelenting hours. For some of us, it's from our own family. Trouble with our kids, with our parents, problems in our marriage. And I hope that things get better for you. I really do. And I, and I think I can speak for everyone here at church. We, we want to pray for you. We want to pray that things get better. Uh, so if, if that's you, uh, let me encourage you. 
find me after the service, have a chat with someone here at church, uh, and we want to pray with you, and we want to help you in whatever way we can. But God never promises us that life is going to go our way all the time. In fact, he tells us that if we follow Jesus, life will be hard. But God gives us reason to have joy. And he gives us hope that's beyond this life. He gives us hope of a perfect eternity with Jesus, where there's no pain or death or suffering. And this hope is certain because we are united with Jesus. As certain as Jesus raised from the dead, and for this we can be absolutely certain, you will also rise from the dead to spend eternity with him. If you are united with Jesus, your destiny is the same as his. I recently travelled um, to China with my family to visit some relatives. Now, I don't really enjoy flying. I get quite airsick, actually. Uh, and I'm not normally an anxious person, but uh, before a flight, the thought always crosses my mind of, um, you know, what, what if something goes wrong? But no matter how much I dislike flying, uh, as long as I'm on that plane, I'm physically united with it. Where that plane goes, I go. Uh, if the pilot decides, hey, you know what, I haven't been to Japan for a while, let's go to Japan instead, I guess I'm going to Japan. Uh, if he decides, hey, you know what, let's uh, land the plane in the ocean and go for a dip, I guess I'm doing that too. Uh, wherever the plane goes, I go, because I'm united with that plane. And it's the same with Jesus. If we are united with him, where Jesus goes, we go too. And we know that he has risen back to life, to never die again in a glorious resurrection body. And so no matter how hard the journey is, no matter how scared we are, that is our destination too. That is my destination and that is your destination. Hang on to that truth. If you are struggling and life is hard for you right now, hang on to it. That no matter what happens to us in this life, our destiny is Jesus' destiny. And that is perfect, sinless eternity with him. How wonderful is that? Look forward and hang on. We've now seen that we are united with Jesus in death and in life. In the first point, we saw that being united with Jesus in death means that we are dead to sin. It has no power over us. And even though it still sticks to us while we're in this life, it has no place in our new life. And in the second point, we saw that being united with Jesus means that we can look forward to eternal life with him. But our third and final point today is that the new life with Jesus starts now. Yes, our resurrection to eternal life is a future reality, but have a look at these verses with me. Uh, let's read verse 4 again for like the third time today, right? Uh, verse 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then verse 13 in the middle, <clears throat> Offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. These verses tell us that we have already been brought from death to life and living the new life is in the present tense. And so our new life with Jesus is another now but not yet reality. We have died with Jesus and we've raised a new life which we're already living. But we still look forward to Jesus' return when we get to experience the full richness of eternal life with him. But what does this new life look like? And how do we live this new life? Well, verse 11. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. We've talked already about being dead to sin. But we are also alive to God in Jesus. 
See, before we were alive to sin, but dead to God. But now through the work of Jesus and being united with him, we are dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus. And so, in verse 13, Paul tells us to not offer any part of ourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer every part of ourselves to God as an instrument of righteousness. The only proper response to being brought from death to life is to give ourselves to God fully and completely. Every single part of your body, every organ, every cell, every molecule belongs to God and is for God as an instrument of righteousness. As a medical student and then as a doctor, um, I, had a, I had a few opportunities to assist in orthopedic surgery, uh, which is bone surgery. Uh, and in the medical world, there are lots of jokes about uh, all the medical um, specialties. But one of the jokes about orthopedic surgeons is that they're, they're basically the carpenters of medicine, right? Uh, working with bones is kind of eerily similar to working with wood. Uh, and, and there's all sorts of instruments that they use in their job. Um, I remember once being in an operating theater at the beginning of a case. Uh, it might have been a hip replacement surgery or something like that. Uh, and, and the surgeon opened his tool case. And I remember looking at what was inside and just having no clue what I was looking at. Uh, it was filled with dozens of uh, metal instruments of different shapes and sizes. Um, I didn't know what they were called. I didn't know what they were for. But as the case proceeded, uh, the surgeon would use them one by one to, to, to cut or to hammer or to screw or to fix uh, whichever bit of bone that he was working on. And by the end of the surgery, uh, even though I still couldn't tell you what each instrument was called or how exactly to use it, I could at least see that each was an instrument of the surgery being done. I could see that every instrument shared a common purpose, which was to fix this person's bones. And in the same way, in Christ, every part of our whole self shares a common purpose. And that purpose is to be used by God for righteousness. Uh, but what is righteousness? Well, righteousness is an intrinsic part of who God is. Righteousness is God's moral uprightness. It's his goodness. It's his perfection. And so if every part of us is to be used as an instrument of righteousness, it means we need to use every part of ourselves to imitate God's righteous character and to carry out his goodwill for his glory. Now this has huge implications for us. To start with, it gives us all the more reason to put sin to death in our lives. But it's more than just that. It turns how we think about our whole lives upside down. In our Western society, I think we, we basically live for ourselves. Uh, you know, we live for our own comfort, our own pleasure, our own fulfillment. And I think as Christians, even as Christians, we still do this. But we just do it in a way that's a bit more godly or a bit more, or a bit more moral. Uh, for example, we, we seek friendship, companionship, fellowship, uh, and even marriage. Uh, and we know that these are good gifts from God, but we can do this really to satisfy our desire to be loved and to belong. Uh, we, we might work really hard in our jobs, knowing that God wants us to be diligent, but, but really we're doing it because we want to earn a good living and to live in the comfortable middle class. We might get involved in church and serve, but, but we do it so that our lives feel more meaningful. We can live a Christian life, but it can still really be about us. But if we are to offer every part of ourselves to God as an instrument of righteousness, then that means we're no longer in the center of our own lives. God is. In our first week, 
Han started the series by saying that our identity dictates our purpose in life. If you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you're united with him, and your purpose in life is to live for God, for righteousness. Now, does that feel like God's asking too much? Let me just say that it really isn't. In fact, we're just being told to live out who we are. We are united with Christ, who died and came back to life to bring us from death to new life in him. Christ, who loves us so much, he gave everything for us. It's not asking too much. It's exactly what he deserves. And there is nothing more right for us to do than to live wholly and completely for God. But this is still a huge revolution to get our hearts and our minds around, isn't it? Our inclination is still to have our world revolve around ourselves. How do, we, how do we stop living for ourselves and instead have God at the centre of our lives? I think this starts with actually remembering who we are. Uh, you know the movie The Lion King? Uh, at the end of the movie, towards the end of the movie, uh, when, when Simba doesn't know what to do and he's trying to run away from his past, he, he sees a vision of his father in the clouds. And what does Mufasa tell him? He says, remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are. Simba needed to be reminded of who he was so that he would carry out his purpose. And in the same way, we need to be reminded of who we are so that we would carry out our purpose of living for God. And not just who we are, but whose we are. Because we belong to Jesus. And also, what it cost him to redeem us, which was his very life. The only way we will remember to offer every part of ourselves to God as an instrument of righteousness, is if we are reminded of this every single day. And so we need to be in God's word regularly, even every single day. We need to pray for ourselves regularly, every single day. And that way, we are reminded of who we are every day so we can live out our new life in Jesus for God and for righteousness to his glory. Let me wrap up. Uh, We've seen today that if you follow Jesus, you are united with him. You're united with him in death and in life, which means you're dead to sin and you have new life, eternal life to look forward to, but life that has already started today. And we are called to live out who we are, to keep fighting sin which doesn't belong anymore, and to live with every part of our being for God. And all this with a sure hope of eternal life with Jesus so that we may persevere to the end. Let's pray. Our great Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus who died for us and for us being united with him in death and in life. So Lord, we pray that you would help us today, help us to put to death sin which doesn't belong anymore and instead live our lives fully, completely and wholly for you. And we pray that in tough times that we would hold on to this sure hope of eternal life in Jesus so that we may live for him every day of our lives. In his name we pray. Amen.